Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we have a guest with us. Her name is Lisa O'Hare. She's the author of Abducted and Furious. It's her uh, personal story about alien abduction and pretty much what happened uh, and the results of it. So as you guys know, we love uh, discussing ETs, uh, anything that's beyond our world, especially. Uh, but aliens have been one of those things that I think we've been very consistent about over the years. Uh, so it's been a while since we've talked to anyone with an abduction story. So I figured, what the heck, let's give give this book a try and see what she's all about. And it was an interesting story. Uh, so I suppose without too much further ado, we'll just jump straight to the line and bring her right in. Lisa, welcome to Paratruth Radio. We're happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for allowing me this opportunity to talk about my book. Yeah. Of course. Uh, before we get started, we'd just like to give our guests a quick moment to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Um, I'm uh, retired. Um, I live in Arizona. And um, at first, I thought I was going to be a medium for a long time. But then I found out I was abducted by um, aliens every night. And uh, that's why I decided to write the book. All right. So I guess the real first question when looking through this book is, why did you feel the need to share your story? And how does it relate or differ from other people's abduction stories? Um, the reason I felt, I felt very strongly once I found, well, once I decided that I was so angry that I was and not fearful, um, and I really worked at trying to find a solution to this situation, um, and I found something, I thought, I have to tell people because um, there's just, I can't hold this to myself. There are other people in this situation who are angry or upset or um, fearful or whatever however they feel about being abducted. I mean, some people do like to be abducted, I think, um, but I don't. And uh, I felt like I needed to write the book. I felt like I had to write the book. It was so important because there was nothing. I searched and searched and searched on the web and looked for different books on how to fight back. And a lot of the things that they suggested, I tried and it didn't work. So and what, what was your other question? Sorry. Uh, sorry. How does, it, uh, how does your story seem to relate or differ from other abduction stories? Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I read some abduction stories. Um, it seems like a lot of them had to do with the greys and mine seemed to have to do with mantis, praying mantis. And uh, even though I have seen some greys in my, um, in my abduction situations, I mostly see a lot of other bugs, you know, like spiders and um, 
praying mantis and beetles and, you know, just all kinds of things that I never in a million years would have expected to see. I would have, I expected to see greys. And when I didn't see greys, I just was so like shocked. <laughs> that I, you know, I had no idea that there were bugs that were, you know, coming to get us at night. Um, right. So when I saw one, I was just pretty shocked. I mean, I was, I wasn't paralyzed. I just was so fascinated. I just could not believe my eyes kind of thing. So I guess that would be a way it differs, though I've heard now from being on other shows that other people have seen them too. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the only one, but when I saw it, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> so you mentioned in the book that this actually started at a very young age, right? Yes, um, I believe it did. Um, I had very strange things would happen to me, but there were things that I couldn't, you know, you can't wrap your head around them and you don't know what they mean. And you also don't have a, you don't have a label for it because when I was growing up in the seventies, you had psychic and then that's about it. Maybe you had medium, you know, had people with seances and that kind of thing, but you didn't um, really have, I didn't have a label for the things that were happening to me. Um, one of the things that happened to me when I was uh, 11, I believe, was I was <clears throat> in bed and uh, there was a white, um, it looked like a flashlight, but it didn't produce like a beam. It was just a, a circular white, glowing white circle and it appeared on my bed. And um, it wasn't a broad light, it was just this very specific white circle. And I was afraid of it and I didn't know why. And I remember saying, oh no, oh no. Well, I never saw that again until I started delving into this whole abduction scenario. Um, and also um, when I was younger, I would have a daydream and that's what I called it because I'm a little girl at that point um, that kept appearing, kept coming back every night and then it would come true. So these aren't things that you can say you know, like, what is that? I mean, I can't even just give it a name to it now. So it, it, things were happening, but they weren't, they weren't obvious. They didn't have a label. They didn't, I didn't know what to call it. So. Okay. Well, now speaking of like the white circle that you saw, uh, you'd seen a couple of shapes and one was a triangle that you saw quite a few times. Uh, did you ever in your research uh, or even as a medium find any relation as to why these shapes would appear to you or what the triangle represented? Um, <clears throat> the, I, don't, I don't know what the triangle represented at this point, but uh, I did also see a rectangle. It was a black rectangle. And I did eventually figure out that it meant uh, it was like a trigger. It was like a, um, a, a memory wipe trigger. So when I saw it, I knew my memory had been wiped. Um, with the triangles, I'm not really sure. I don't know what it, I still don't know what it is, the uh, triangle. Um, it helps me, it seems to help me, you know, calm, be calm and take away the fear, the the triangle and the circle, you know, I, I, that's all about fear. I do know what that is now. Um, I didn't when I was writing the book. Um, what it actually means is, um, it actually means surgery, like lights for surgery. It also means torture. Is this something that you learned through uh, your spirit guide? No, it's from um, doing remote views. Okay. Um, 
you talk a lot about a lot of different things that's happened to you in this book. Um, one of the things that I have found kind of interesting is uh, the things that you would find under your skin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, sure. <clears throat> Actually, this isn't in the book, but one of the things that I found under my skin was um, a, what I call a flesh marble. Um, so one of the things that I found was, so on my thigh, I had an ingrown hair and I pulled out the ingrown hair and underneath was a hole. And uh, I realized there was a little marble underneath there. That's what it felt like. And so I, you know, finally, and I was not at home. I was in a hotel. So I finally find, got this flesh marble out and I wanted to cut it in half to see what it was like, but I didn't have a knife. And so um, it just slowly disintegrated. It was like a flesh marble. It died as soon as I took it out of my body. It was really, really weird. Um, but recently, actually, I have a little bit of a cold today. Um, not COVID, just a cold. <laughs> Um, so, so, um, I have asthma and I also sometimes get bronchitis and because of that, you know, you have these spasms, you know, of your, um, mm -hmm. coughing, coughing spasms. And, you know, if you've ever had a cold that you can't get rid of the cough, you just have to cough it out. Finally it stops. So, um, on Sunday night or Monday night, I was coughing and I was intermittently coughing, which is really weird because normally when I cough, I cough for an hour. You know, I don't just cough a little and then stop. So I coughed and uh, I kept waking up and thinking, where is that tickle coming from? So I started feeling it on my throat, my throat, and then it moved. <laughs> so uh, then I, you know, like, okay, well, here it is again. Okay. And eventually it stopped. And so I think that's an implant. Um, but another implant I had was um, I was, um, had gotten, I'd uh, gotten a cut on my the top of my knee from my um, recycle bin. We have tall ones in Arizona, and um, you know it really really hurt. As you know, you get a cut and then it doesn't hurt, and then it really hurts for a long time, and it might throb. Right. So that night everything was fine. It had stopped throbbing, and uh, putting some medicine on it, and then all of a sudden it started throbbing, and I didn't know why. And um, but then that's when I saw a praying mantis appear by my bed and she was trying to get me telepathically to go to her ship and she was like I know that your leg is hurting you and I really want you to come to my ship will you please come to my ship will you agree to come to my ship and I kept saying no because I don't want to agree to go to a ship um, so you know eventually she said well if some bad guys take you uh, can we take you from them to take you to our ship it's like well you know okay so she did event the next day my leg didn't throb didn't hurt at all so i figure that's when i finally realized that we have uh, implants and it was beaconing to her it was calling her hmm. so do you, do you find that uh these various bugs are are some more evil than others or some good uh from my perspective they're all evil um okay. i mean I don't want to be taken. I've said over and over, I don't want to be taken. And yet they take me every time. Um, one of the other bugs that was a seemed like a male praying mantis, um, you know, he swapped me like with a spoon or a tuning fork on my lady parts and it really hurt. And then he pointed at me and I fell asleep. So he, I don't know if that was a greeting, but it didn't feel friendly. So from my perspective, I think they're all negative. The ones that are taking me, 
Um, I know there are other people that feel differently, but the ones that take me are very negative and um, I really feel it. And actually that night that I had the moving um, thing in my throat, um, I had, I woke up when I woke up first, I felt like there was a lot of blood and it was really, really negative. And so I don't know if that's when they placed something in my throat or what, but you know, so everything just has this negative feel. And I wanted to ask you, do you ever have like these feelings of negativity uh, when you walk into a room or certain people? I mean, doesn't it, don't, doesn't it kind of make you want to step back or move away from them? That's how mm -hmm. it feels for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like a thickening of the atmosphere, uh, hard mm -hmm. to breathe and just this weird pressure on your chest almost that makes you very uneasy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good description. <laughs> But, you know, so you go into a, like a gas station. I mean, I've gone to gas stations where I've seen like ritual, like drumming and weird stuff. And I just like, I'm never coming back here. I mean, it feels so weird mm -hmm. that I'm never coming back here again. And so that's how they feel to me. Very negative and very um, menacing almost, you know. So when they show up in, in your room, you can feel it because they're menacing feeling. Right. So. Right. Well, so, since you're bringing up the, the negative feelings, um, something you bring up in the book and you just brought up uh, just a minute ago was the remote viewing. Um, and you bring up that uh, you feel that remote viewers are all negative, even if they're neutral, but you do encourage people to uh, learn remote viewing. So for some people, that might be a little contradictive. So I wanted you to explain a little bit what your meaning was in, in that chapter for the remote viewing. Wow, that's a really good question. I haven't had that one before. <laughs> um, well, the reason I feel like they're negative is because all the ones I've been dealing with are negative. But the reason okay. I encourage everyone to um, to definitely, um, and also I felt like they're constantly watching me and reporting back to someone. And I don't feel, I feel like that's really negative because there's some right. they're watching me they're following me around and then then they're telling someone what i'm doing right. um but i do recommend that everyone um learn remote viewing so that you can fight back so that you know what the tools are so that you know you know maybe you know how to do some things that they know how to do fight back against them too because if you know how to remote view then you can either hear, well, I hear them, so you might be able to see them. I don't know. Um, actually, I just got back into remote viewing and uh, because they were hounding me and um, using other techniques. There's another type of remote viewing called remote readers, remote reading. And so what they do is they actually can pick up things in your environment. And so move things around, move things in and out of your car and that kind of thing. And it's really, it's, it's meant to terrorize you. That's what, it's, that's what their goal is. And it's meant to make you feel unsafe, like nothing. You can never hide anything from them, um, you know, that kind of thing. So um, actually, I just recently got back into it. And, um, and I told them, God help you when I learn how to do this, you know, the way you know how to do it, because I will track you down. And that's why I want people to learn how to do it. Fight back in every way you can. So kind of like a necessary evil type thing. Yeah, well, they're using that against you. So well, that's what I mean. So, so you can use it against them type deal. Right. And you can also learn what they know. 
You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, let's say if you know how to fly and some whole bunch of other people are showing you how to fly, now you can fly. And so, you know, now you can, you know, fight back and uh, learn different techniques. I mean, so anyway, that's why I think you should do it. Kind of like fighting fire with fire in a way. Right. Exactly. Uh, So... I mean, this started when you were really young, uh, and we've noticed over the years uh, with some of our our guests that those who tend to be sensitive tend to have more of these experiences than others. Uh, but do you think that when you started learning about mediumship uh, and learning how to control that, did that seem to influence the abductions, perhaps by opening you up to this other plane that maybe didn't really exist in your life at the time? Actually, um, I do and I don't. I think that I think that it opened my mind to other possibilities, but it also um, was sort of a, a gentle teaching of t- teaching me because I think that um, the majority of people, even though I was sensitive to it and, you know, there were a lot of things I didn't really understand what was happening or why it was happening or what to call it or anything. And they were all usually singular events like the, you know, white circle. Um, but I thought it was kind of like a gentle, like here is a um, situation where you hear voices in your head, you're not schizophrenic, you're not crazy, but this is real and what else could be happening kind of thing. And I felt like it was a very um, kind of, a, and make sure you do a lot of um, meditation, 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 because you want to um, open up, you know, raise your vibration and just get a feel gently into this world of things that you can't see. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it was sort of like a, um, a gentle opening and, um, and just uh, thinking of other things, because I think even with my husband, uh, Bob, he is extremely black and white. He's very, um, you know, prove it to me. And, you know, there are things you cannot prove. And so, um, you know, he is really kind of hard headed and, and good in a way, because then if I need to escape this, I can just talk to him. But, um, you know, so that you you can have both worlds, you know, you can have right. the um, weird stuff that you can't nobody can explain and you cannot see. And then you have the black and white stuff. So I think it's just a way of just opening your mind to all these possibilities. I mean, I had no idea that remote viewing existed. And then when I found out about it and it had been going on in the military for so long and, you know, all these things, um, it just kind of opens your mind. And I think with remote viewing too, it actually opens your mind to other possibilities. And when you see other things that you would never have thought existed in a million years, it really just, just opens up everything. So that's what I think. All right. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Thanks. You you also bring up, um, since you brought up the military, you bring up military abductions and and other beings as well. Um, So I guess my question is, how did you figure out that there was these these different happenings going on for you? Was it something that you're spirit guides told you was it the remote viewing and and you kind of discovered it that way how did you figure out that there was more than just the et abductions um well one of the things was i had multiple like visions uh of people like one of them was i saw it was laying in bed and i saw people walk in men 
and they had this little patch of uh, it kind of looked like a, a piece of leather, like a square piece of leather, and it was right on their hand. And they pointed at me, and I fell asleep. Um, so there was that. Um, I would also have dreams, and one of the things I started doing um, was I started. Well, I read everything, so. I read everything I can get my hands on of other people's experiences because you just never know where you're going to find a little nugget nugget that describes your experience. And all of our experiences are completely different. So I was reading Communion by Whitley Strieber, and he talks about his um, how the, your mind creates what's called a screen memory to protect you from trauma that's happening to you. And I was always of the impression that, um, that the ETs placed information in our head, you know, like after they did the memory wipe, then they put a dream in there. But mm -hmm. no, it's a screen memory created by your own mind. So once I realized that I realized I could look behind it. And uh, the way I did that was um, I um, started using a um, exercise by Stuart Swordlow called the green spiral staircase. And this is in my book also. And what it allows you to do is take that screen memory and put it in your mind and imagine yourself walking down a staircase and then seeing it as if a movie, you're looking at a giant black screen and a movie is playing in front of you. And you can say, what's behind this dream? And it shows you a scene and you look at it like you're looking at a movie. You're not participating in it. You're not you in the movie. You're just watching a movie. And you get to see what's really happening before the memory wipe. And so that's how I started seeing a lot of that stuff. And once you start seeing that stuff, then you start sometimes remembering things and not them not being a part of a dream. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it starts opening you up. And so um, I did, I did have a lot of that. And I would also see sometimes in my remote views, because this is what I call it. I call it remote viewing your own mind by using the green spiral staircase. Um, I would see, you know, people behind a glass, you know, like a man that looked like the guy, the guy from Terminator 2 um, <laughs> kind of looked like that. He was standing behind a glass, but he was also a shapeshifter, like a reptilian. And then he would have people talking to me, actual people. Um, and so, you know, just that kind of thing. And unfortunately, these kind of things are very, they're like puzzle pieces. So you mm -hmm. see a puzzle piece and then you think, well, that's really, really weird. I don't know how this fits in but I'll write it down anyway. And then you see another puzzle piece, you go, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, you start puzzle piecing everything together. And um, so that's how I started doing it. I just started writing everything down, no matter how crazy it seemed and <laughs> hoping that I could eventually figure out the puzzle pieces. But I do remember having somebody saying, you know more, you know more. Also, I kept having problems with uh, finding plaque on my teeth. Um, I brush my teeth every night but I would find plaque on my teeth in the morning. And it didn't make sense to me because, you know, there would be no way I would be eating something, you know, plus I wore a night guard on my bottom teeth. So, um, so I don't grind. And so um, I finally realized through reading my labs, which is military abductions, that it was possible that I was being abducted a second time and being fed something with the military. Okay. Wow. So now when you were doing, uh, using the green spiral staircase, have you, was there ever a time where you like looked beyond that screen and wish you hadn't? Um, you know, I would say no, because 
I always want to, I'm one of those people that have to know the truth. And um, even though I don't want to always know the truth, but you know, some of it's just so fascinating. It's just so weird. And um, also you get sort of desensitized, honestly, you know, the more you do this, the more desensitized you get, you're like, Oh, okay. Today I'm seeing spiders and they're, they're trying to get me to breathe underwater and, um, you know, and then I saw a guy t- step out of his people suit, but he was really a spider underneath and just stuff like that. You can't make this stuff up. And so I would see, you know, uh, spiders that were spider cats, you know, a cat head with spider body. <laughs> I mean, just weird stuff, you know? So yeah. I would say that no, because I'm really interested in truth and I really want to know what's really going on, not, you know, whatever stress dream they gave me about my um about losing my purse or being in a classroom where you know i suddenly forgot to drop it but here's today's the test you know those kind of dreams those are dreams uh, that they put that your mind gives you to protect you from what's really happening so no i was never never that uh, but yeah you can see some scary stuff yeah well, no, at the, uh, towards the beginning of the book, you actually mentioned ET contracts uh, and how you had been under ET contract. Uh, now, how exactly do you break the ET contract, at least in theory? And do you have any understanding of how you entered one in the first place? Um, well, as I was told by this medium that I was working with to um, break the ET contracts, the way it was actually a soul contract and the uh, medium told me that we created these contracts. We agreed to contracts to come onto the earth. And in order to have all these experiences to learn and have our soul growth, we agree to being uh, abducted as part of the soul contract. And um, so I did try to break the soul contracts uh, multiple times, but it never worked. And, um, you know, and if it had, you know, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have written that book, <laughs> but it actually doesn't work. Uh, it didn't work for me. Um, I tried uh, going to Akashic Records. I don't know if you've heard of those before, um, where they're some kind of card catalog, like in that Interstellar movie. That's how I think mm-hmm. of the Akashic Records. Okay. Um, I tried everything. I tried um, stating my, demanding my right to free will, my sovereignty. I um, said I will not be removed, you know, I will not be removed from my bed. I have, you know, free will. I do not agree to go into onto your ship. I do not want to go on your ship. I revoke all my contracts. And I actually would read this little manifesto before I went to bed, stating all of this, uh, demanding, uh, respectfully demanding my right to free will but it doesn't work. So uh, it didn't work for me. So, um, and I tried Googling all about doing this as well and nothing worked. So, uh, but that's how you get them apparently. But I actually think that's a lot, a bunch of baloney. And the reason I think that is because I think that the ETs are sort of like the human narcissist. They want to make you feel like you're responsible for this, you know, so that they don't have to take any blame. They don't have to be accountable. No, no, you agreed to this. Don't you remember? Don't you remember agreeing to this? And so that way they can just say that it's all really your fault. They're basically blaming the victim. And so I don't, um, I do not agree. Um, I do not think there is a soul contract. I think it's just a way of them getting out of their responsibility of uh, taking us and not admitting it, just blaming us for it. 
I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Interesting. So, uh, you go into protection in in this book. Um, a lot of a lot of protection. You even go into a step by step how you can can stop this. Uh, one of the things that I found fascinating was you brought up uh, to to invoke Yahweh, and uh, the reason I found that interesting was because we had had another guest on uh, David Rufno. He wrote a book called Unholy Communion, and he speculated that um, maybe that these ETs aren't extraterrestrials, but spiritual creatures that are, that are trying to take you. Um, so it was interesting that I, that I saw that in your instructions as well. So what are your thoughts on that maybe these things aren't physical, but more uh, uh, metaphysical, I guess, is what I'm getting at? Um. You know, I agree with you. I think they could be both. Um, I think that's why it's so hard to to kind of like pin them down and try to figure out how to deal with them. Because on the one hand, you know, a lot of other things work too. Yahweh works, but also, you know, um, in some way they are kind of like an evil spirit, you know, banging on a, um, on a bowl or a crystal bowl or, you know, using the rim and, you know, circling mm-hmm. it. Uh, a lot of that clears out. Um, you know, evil spirits. Um, but I also think that there is some physicality to it because they actually are able to physically remove you from your bed. And so I don't really know how they do that. Now, do they do that by using mind control? Is it mind tricks? Do they use a tone that you hear that makes you want to put on clothes and leave? Um, you know, I don't really know. I haven't quite figured all that out and I am still fighting them. So I wanted to be clear that even though my book uh, said how I fought back, I am still fighting back. I am very close to being finished, I believe. Um, but, you know, so I continually use these tools myself. Um, but I do think there is there is something to it because a lot of people talk about going to a ship and I have myself seen some ships, but most of the time I see surgery centers, I see hospitals, I see, you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Physically, there is some physicality to it, but um, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think it makes it difficult for people to be able to figure out what it really is because they have this duality of this mental versus the spiritual versus the physicality. Right. You know, it makes it extra difficult that like it usually happens when you're asleep as well. You know, yes. you, no one's, it's very, very rare. It happens. It's rare that someone's taken while they're wide awake. Uh, there's been a few stories out there on the back roads of some out, you know, somewhere out in the country where they're driving down the road and the car shuts down and suddenly they're disappear for however long they black out, come back. And it's like four hours later. Right. So, I mean, who knows, but it's really kind of scary to think about. It is. And when I found out at first, I was really, really scared and um, just, you know, kind of blown away that this happened to me and that I didn't know it. 
And, um, you know, it's terrifying. I mean, you, you have this feeling of, you know, going to work and coming home and going, you know, eating dinner and going to sleep and everything, you're safe. And to find out that you have been removed from your bed some way um, and left and then come back, I mean, it is just terrifying. And that's not our normal, you know, that's not how we think things are, you know, we have, uh, you know, our, our lives in a very orderly kind of routine fashion. And to find this out is just really scary. Oh, for sure. Now, right. Did you, do you happen to, to notice that like these abductions happen around the same time every night or does it differ from night to night? Um, it does seem to differ, but it just depends on me, of course, because when I go to bed, I'm kind of a night owl, so I don't tend to go to bed right away. Um, but, you know, so within an hour or two of me going to bed, if I haven't gone to sleep, then they come by and they shoot me with what I call I sleep dart. And it feels like sort of like a... Um, sort of like a mosquito bite, you know, the ones you can, you can hear the mosquito and sometimes you can feel the pinch. That's kind of what it feels like. And I know that I will fall asleep within a few, um, few minutes. Now, if I fight it, um, then I'll be asleep for hours, but they'll keep coming back and, and darting me. So um, I finally realized that if I were smart, I would just try to learn as much as I could about them and study them as much as they're studying me. But at first I did try to stay awake all night and I'm not 20 anymore, so I can't stay up all night and function the next day. So I had to give that up pretty quickly. <laughs> and yeah, it's um, so I think it does seem to happen. I mean, for a while I was watching the time kind of like a, um, you know, because I didn't know what how much data was. Initially, I was writing everything down just so that the audience knows this. And I was trying to look at everything that I could. You know, I didn't know what was important data. What's important data? What's not important data? Is the time important? I don't I, I didn't know. So I wrote it all down. And I did notice that I would, you know, a lot of times see, you know, one, two, three, four. And then I would see one, two, three. And then I'd see three, four, five. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so um, I would um, notice these things. But it didn't seem to matter. I mean, there were times when I could, and I have a clock that projects the time on the ceiling in red digital letters or numbers. And I would, um, you know, open my eyes and see what the time was. And sometimes I would wake up at 12.30 three times. Um, so that was, you know, an unusual thing. Sometimes my clock would move around. One time I saw it, it was three 3.84. And that's not a typo. That's actually a time that I saw, which doesn't exist. So I don't know why I saw that. Um, but other times it was important because um, I woke up at 3.30 and um, I kept hearing inside my brain or, you know, chanting in my brain of 3.31, don't move until 3.31, 3.31. And I thought that that meant uh, it was like a geofence around me that I couldn't move my body until 3.31. So being the person I am, stubborn, uh, I got up anyway and I kind of drunkenly walked toward the bathroom and could hardly walk. And so I wondered if that was some sort of mind, you know, hypnotherapy or something saying you can't move until it's 331. Mm -hmm. You know, so these are this is the reason I wrote a lot of these times in is because I just didn't know what the data, what was important. And so I just wrote right. it all down. Um, I also found that there were times when uh, the sixth and the seventh of the month, I would hear two low flying planes and sometimes a helicopter. And sometimes they would sound like they landed on my roof and they'd be walking around. And um, 
yeah, the sixth and the seventh. So it did happen other times, but like clockwork, the sixth and the seventh of the month. And even if I was out of town in California, it would happen there too. So they know where you are. Okay. Um, so we've talked about kind of protection. We've talked about your, your actual story of, of the abductions and everything. Um, for those of the, the people out there listening and think that uh, it's happening to them, what is, what's your advice? I mean, other than, of course, reading your book, uh, what's your advice to them to, uh, to try and protect themselves? Um, I would say, uh, I would say that they should write everything down and try to be a detective. Because the thing is, is that all of our stories are completely different. And I think that's by design. Because if we start comparing, note, comparing notes, then we might be able to defeat them, right? So um, I would write everything down into a little notebook and just write everything you think is important down and then start noticing things as much as you can. Notice what, what happens before an abduction, what happens after you come back from abduction. Um, so one of the things I noticed was that I, uh, and it took me a while, it's kind of laugh, laughable in hindsight how long it took me to figure this out, but I started noticing that I had funny smells on my clothes. And, um, and at first I thought it was because I hadn't used enough laundry detergent and I found them in the laundry room, they smelled like that. Um, and then I you know, started moving my clothes around and they smelled like BO and feet. So one of the things I did was um, I just, finally figured out that those were the clothes I was putting on when I was leaving my house. And so I just started making a note of that because, you know, you just need to start searching out the clues. And so instead of trying to stay up every night and catch them on video, uh, which I tried to do also, um, I would definitely write down everything and say, you know, what's really happening here? What did I notice before I went to bed? And what time did I get the sleep dart? And, you know, what do I, what, what is the thing that I remember from my dreams? So, you know, a lot of times I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd get up and I'd write everything down in my journal. And I would write that down so that the next day I could use a green spiral staircase to look at it. Um, and so um, I would just do that, but then also just live your life. And if you have a person who has a, you know, who, who doesn't believe anything you say, like my husband, because, you know, just kind of enjoy the, the groundness of that, because feeling terrified and um, uncertain of your life and what's really going on can be isolating, you know? So, you know, uh, the person that doesn't believe in anything can make you feel, oh, I feel normal again. So I would do that. I would use Yahweh, you know? Um, I talked about that in my book too. It really helps to clear out things. And I don't know why it works. Um, I find it really unusual. I'm kind of Catholic and not really religious at all. But when I needed that, it really popped into my mind. I was having trouble seeing at night and um, it cleared everything up. It calmed me. Um, it made the evil, evil menacing feeling completely disappear. And um, it's really, really helpful. So um, I would try to think of them as get their, your guinea pigs as opposed to them. That, 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 so instead of them, you feeling like they have all the power, you think of them as your guinea, your, your, 
looking at them as their as the guinea pig as opposed to them just looking at you as the guinea pig you know what i mean so mm-hmm. flip the script so i i think that would help the most and um also just know you're not alone uh, there are other people like you out there um some of them actually are podcasters that's what's so awesome i love meeting <laughs> my people <laughs> all the paranormal podcasters seem to have a paranormal story so it's really funny that I was looking for my people and now I'm finding them on podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say don't give up and there is a way out and um, you can, you can do it. And so it's in most cases, it's kind of a long journey, uh, but it's a war you're kind of fighting and you just got to take it one battle at a time. That's right. Uh, um well we are actually here at the end of the show uh so what i do want to do is just give you a moment to be able to tell everybody where they can find you where they can find your book and of course any other information you'd like to share okay um my book is at amazon and um it's called how abducted and furious how i fought back and how you can too you can email me at abducted and furious at yahoo.com I'm on Facebook as at Abducted and Furious. And I also have a Facebook group called Abducted and Furious with Lisa O'Hara. And it's under the Abducted and Furious page. And um, keep fighting because um, we are, we're gonna win this. And um, we're, all, we're all in this together. And um, I think that if you experiment as much as you can, um, you can fight them, you can beat them because they don't want you to know the things that you're finding out while you're doing these remote views. Um, Also, there's something called La Ho Chi, which I didn't talk about, but it is a self-care modality, a self-healing modality. That's really easy to learn. um, And you can self-heal after an abduction. So if you can't sleep after an abduction, you can make yourself fall asleep by using La Ho Chi. And good luck and keep in touch. If you need help, contact me. All right. All right. Well, Lisa, thank you for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was very uh, interesting questions. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. So that was Lisa O'Hara. She wrote the book, Abducted and Furious, How I Fought Back and How You Can Too. Uh, as she had already mentioned, you can go ahead and pick that up on Amazon. You can check it out at Goodreads as well. Um, just kind of get a little more, a little more information on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was really interesting talking uh, to her about her abductions uh, and yeah. actually talking about a different type of alien race from what we've really ever talked about before. You know, we've talked about graves, talked about uh, reptilians, but here she's talking about the mantis and the spiders and various other bug-like creatures. Uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you feel about this her her story and the relatability to uh, this new or this other type of alien race that probably doesn't have as much mainstream uh, significance as the greys or the reptilians. Um, well, I will tell you that right after a quick break here, we've got Eric's random fact of the day, and we will be right back right after this. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that you lose up to 30% of your taste buds during flight? According to bestlifeonline.com, this might explain why airplane food gets such a bad reputation. 
The elevation in an airplane can have a detrimental effect on our ability to taste things. According to a 2010 study conducted by Germany's Fraunhofer Institute for Building Physics, the dryness experienced at high elevation, as well as low pressure, reduces the sensitivity of a person's taste buds to sweet and salty foods by about 30%. Add that dry cabin air affects our ability to smell, and our ability to taste is even further reduced. Kaylee Martin. And I'm Erin Skrivak. And we have a little web series called Audition, Audition Life. Life. Inspired by true events, our series focuses on all the things that could potentially go wrong in an audition. And trust me, what can go wrong will. You can watch the series by going on www.auditionlifetheseries.com or by following us on the Instagram handle at Audition Life the Series. Break, Break a leg. leg! Welcome back, folks. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And this is Paratruth Radio. Uh, so right before break, I did ask Justin what he thought about Lisa's uh, story regarding the mantis, the spiders, and the various other type of uh, bug-like aliens. Uh, and really, how he feels about the story that relates to, or how it relates to, uh, more mainstream-like ETs, such as the reptilians or the greys. Well, there I've read a lot um, over the years about the supposed different uh, extraterrestrials that supposedly our government or we've been in contact with over many years now. Um, you know, we've talked uh, or I've I've seen uh, different the the uh, um, Nordics that are more human like, usually blonde hair, blue eyes, kind of like uh, Hitler's idea of the, the ideal human race. Um, so I, I mean, through all these different races that I, I've come across, I mean, it does not, it would not surprise me if there's an insectoid race or, or multiple types of insecto insectoid race. Um, just because if there really are extraterrestrials, we don't know what type of evolution is taking place on other planets compared to earth. We always just assume that uh, other extraterrestrial races would be humanoid in nature and not something else altogether. Right. Um, well, I can tell you, like, one thing, every time she mentioned the spiders, I kept thinking of uh, the sky gods known as the Anansi. Um, and these are basically spider-like gods uh, with multiple eyes who could see various uh, realities and things like that. Uh, they're pretty well known, very well knowledgeable. And the way that she told her story, and I think you uh, were kind of feeling the same thing too, was that it seemed very spiritual by nature, uh, by the way she was telling it. Uh, and not just mm -hmm. by the way she was telling it, but also by the way that she was fighting against it. Uh, you know, right. Saying Yahweh's name, uh, really focusing on centering herself, getting her mind right, uh, being able to see uh, or broaden her mind. You know, these are all type of things that you would do in a spirituality type of uh, of cleansing or a fight or, you know, stuff like that. So uh, I don't know, like it's 
I don't think there's really any stories about the Anansi uh, showing up these days. Um, of course, they could still be hiding out. Maybe they are some sort of, uh, or, or maybe they're making themselves appear as some sort of godlike or alien-like creature, as opposed to these uh, these gods per se. Right. Um, but you know, who who really knows without more information and uh, really more evidence? Which is, as she, as Lisa said, very difficult to come by. Right. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before, and and we've seen it several times from people saying that, uh, that maybe, not not absolutely, but maybe, uh, the old gods were actually actually extraterrestrials coming down and presenting themselves um, and, and humanity not really knowing what they are, but since they had different abilities than humankind or technology, they thought they were gods. Right. It could have been, or, you know, as we've said in the past too, it could have been actual gods per se, or angels, angelic like beings that fell and eventually were cast off into the skies uh, where their main domain is amongst the stars uh, and they still appear from time to time. Right. All right. So, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of this stuff is, has been super interesting. Um, you know, it, for, from my personal perspective and, and I think from Eric's too, uh, a lot of times we, we do try and approach things from a skeptical point of view. Um, and when we come across something that, we can't just uh, debunk or, or or deny. We usually will say it's possible only because, like Eric, you said earlier, uh, there's no real evidence per se right. to show. Um, and uh, she had had brought up these different things that she was finding underneath her skin, um, a, a moving implants, uh, what she called a, a meat marble uh, or flesh marble um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because I've never really heard of somebody pulling something out of their skin and then it just disintegrates in thin air um, so it, it was something that was kind of really interesting to, to hear um, what were kind of your thoughts on the whole uh, on the military uh aspect where she feels that she's being abducted by military personnel too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's interesting because that's something we haven't really come across uh, in our discussions with various guests. Uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I guess I can't necessarily doubt it completely. Uh, we, we, as far as we can understand uh, the military supposedly has some alien technology and perhaps is even working with aliens who've um, purposely given them technology to use. Uh, and so it's possible that they are actually using this technology to test studies uh, to, to see how this various technologies uh, work on, on humans. And maybe these are technologies that are designed for advanced warfare. Uh, maybe it's more of a, a technology that's designed to get information from uh, enemy enemies. Uh, you know, in, in the past, they would use torture and things like that. Maybe this is a new design that's a little 
easier per se. I, I mean, still torture, I think, in my opinion, based on right. uh, Lisa's story and the very many other stories that we've heard. Uh, but nonetheless, something that might break the person quicker from the inside uh, and even just a tr- retrieve information without really needing to force the person to do it. You know, it's, it almost seems like uh, this technology is able to, whatever the, the aliens are using uh, in Lisa's story, uh, this technology is apparently able to get inside of her mind. And not only that, but then erase her own memories that she had of the experience, which is really kind of crazy considering the first time it's really been uh, acknowledged on a wide scale was with men in black and their little uh, device that erases people's minds, their memories of alien events. So right. who knows? It's, it's, it's definitely a possibility. Well, uh, something that kind of came to my mind too, is maybe the races that are communicating with the military and then the ones that were abducting her were enemies. So the military would abduct her to uh, counter whatever the alien races did to her. Right. To, yeah. It, not I necessarily mean, a, a protection thing, but, you know. Right. Well, but, and the one thing that you have to think about, though, is based on the technology that we know of uh, within our world and what humanity is capable of, uh, it's almost hard to believe that the military would have the technology to abduct a person uh, right out of the bed. Uh, I mean, using nothing but some device that's possibly hovering over uh, the house, you know, a, a, a uh, gravitational beam, as we would see mm, it in the movies right. and the games. Uh, you know, otherwise you would expect the these military um, uniforms to be busting through the door and sneaking her out, carrying her off, and then implanting these my, these memories uh, or these ideas that she's actually being abducted by aliens when in reality she's being simply abducted by hum, humans. Uh, but what I do right. find interesting that she didn't mention in the book, um, and really she didn't mention even during the the uh, our conversation, is that her husband doesn't really seem to notice these abductions happening. I mean, he thinks that she's kind of, you know, just maybe not doesn't quite, he doesn't believe it you know right. it's like he doesn't understand it necessarily so you have to one thing i have to question is is she actually being abducted or is it just her mind that's being abducted and the implants for that matter if they're actually putting implants into her body uh, which we've heard many stories of throughout the years of right. this happening to people uh could they be putting her husband to sleep as well without his knowledge and understanding um, you know, like what are the actual circumstances around that? So it's a little right. weird, uh, but you know, who knows? Um, no, I mean, that's the, a good the point. last, what's up? I said, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing I remember what I wanted to tell you earlier, actually too, is, or ask you, she said that many of the stories that she's read, uh, none of them seem to relate to each other very much uh minus a few things obviously aliens and abductions correspond right. uh right. but how exactly those abductions happen what time uh the, the events of the abduction uh and the time that they're gone don't always add up and i have to wonder if it's one like she said based on um, the person that's being abducted uh and of course the research that the extraterrestrial is doing 
or is it purpose purposefully um, orchestrated so that people can't combine these notes and realize, hey, this, 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 and this, and this all are the same. We don't even know each other. We've never met before until now, and yet all these notes add up. And right. in science, one thing that you want to do is get all those notes to slowly combine and become evidence. You know, like when you have one person saying one thing and another person saying another, that could just be a dream. That could be nothing. Uh, but when you have multiple people saying the same thing spanning throughout the country or even the world, well, now there's evidence adding up that maybe there's something more to this. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you think that's possibly what is happening here? They're just trying to keep everyone off their tail a bit. Yeah. I mean, depending on, on if these things are, uh, malevolent or, or not, not, not abducting to, to do anything good, but just for research or anything like that. Um, you, you know, you're talking about scientific method, so we wouldn't be used be able to use our scientific method to come up with a reason or or say, hey, yes, all of this is true because uh, Jerry, Lewis, James, uh, Lisa, Lori all had the exact same thing happening to them. Um, so in scientific method, if you can repeat the outcome so many numerous times then that is the true outcome and that is the poss the the truth so for them to disrupt our scientific method for their scientific method makes yeah i think that's a, a very good possibility so well that is i think that's about all we've got for this episode on abducted and furious um definitely a great topic lisa was a great guest i'm glad we were able to get her on um so we got a lot of great things coming for you guys uh we've got all of our shows on new lantern media um you know paranormal heart uh beyond reason paratruth radio let's talk about it and the truth fox so all these great shows, make sure you're checking them all out. All great hosts. I, I appreciate that we've kind of grown in creating a good community. And um, just stay tuned, guys. We've got a lot of great stuff coming for you on Paratruth Radio as well. So until next time, where you will find us same time, same channel, my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This This is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get... 
whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.